0: Welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and in today's episode, we are talking about ways that you can be a little less of a hot mess as a mom. (laughs) Okay, let's unpack this. What are we actually talking about in today's episode? We are diving into the world of perfectionism and what tends to hide behind perfectionism, and... The title of this episode, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, is actually the book title of my guest and my friend, Caitlin Sule, who's coming on the episode, and we're sharing our conversation with all of you. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, anxiety and maternal mental health expert, writer. She's a mom to three under the age of seven, and her book is coming out in March of 2022. And in this episode, I really wanted to unpack this idea of acknowledging that life is messy. (laughs) Motherhood is messy. But if you're anything like me, sometimes the messiness of being a human can be really scary. And so sometimes instead we strive for perfection. And in this episode, I share a little bit about my own history with perfectionism. I've definitely lived with it since I was a kid, and I share how that showed up as a child and how it got really triggered in that transition into becoming a mother. Caitlin can definitely relate to this experience. Even as a therapist, like many moms, she found herself prioritizing everyone else's needs before her own People-pleasing and perfectionism can definitely hold hands with each other, until an eye-opening experience gave her the epiphany that in order to evolve into the mother and person she was meant to be, she needed to stop abandoning herself. So in this episode, she shares the three R's of imperfect personal growth and evolution for modern moms based on her new book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, and we explore some of the important ways that choosing to say yes to yourself is not only going to be good for you, but be great for your relationships too. I'm so excited you're tuning in to today's episode. I share parts of my story that I've never shared before, and I am honored that you are taking the time to tune in and spend your listening of this episode time with me. Alright, you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Caitlin. Thank you so much for taking the time to pop on with me today and have this conversation and record this episode. I am really excited for us to dive in, Uh, but before we do, can you share a little bit about who you are, what lights you
1: up, and the work you do? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Um, My name is Caitlin, as you said. Um, I am a therapist. I'm an author. I'm a mom to three kiddos, um, and those are just some of the things that I do, right? But I... um, specialize in treating anxiety disorders in my work as a therapist, but in my real life work as a mom (laughs) and as an author, I'm really focusing on speaking to women about this process that I call imperfect growth and evolution. And that's what the book's all about, A Little Less of a Hot Mess. And we can dive in more, but those are just some, some of the things that I you know, kind of the highlights of who I am and, and what I've been up to these days. What lights me up? Well, let me just say a few minutes to myself really lights me up these days. <laughs> um, and part of that for me has been trying to get up early before the kids so that I could attempt to have like a warm cup of coffee or maybe just get some meditation or movement in in the morning definitely doesn't always happen. Cause let's be real. I have three kids at home, but that is not only what lights me up, but I guess it's just like what fuels me for the rest of the day. And maybe it doesn't always happen in the morning, but if I can get that time for myself at some point in the day, um, it just really makes everything go so much more smooth. And these days, podcasting, writing, any creative outlet um, has really been keeping me going, especially after all of the kind of craziness and uncertainty that we've been through over the past year and a half.
0: Oh, my gosh. I There is a special place in my heart for connecting with therapists and getting a chance to hear about all the different ways that they show up in the world. And... I have really enjoyed getting to know you um, and getting a chance to kind of see what behind the scenes of your business looks like as a therapist. And can we just talk for a second about the title of this book that is coming out in March, right? A little less of a hot mess. (laughs) When you first shared that with me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. Like that's… That's that's the goal, right? Like perfection is a dear friend of mine. It pops up often for me. <laughs> I'm yeah. a, a yeah. recovering perfectionist and a striving good enoughist. Um,
1: I but love this that.
0: Idea, <laughs> this idea of I, I still – like it's not about saying that I don't want to, you know, grow and um, work on things and strive for – um, these goals that I have, or you know, taking better care of myself, or being a better mom, or whatever the case might be, but when perfectionism is the goal, I'm going to constantly be disappointed, um, mm-hmm. and that's typically actually driven by underlying fear and anxiety in the hopes that perfectionism—if everything's perfect, then I'll be safe—and it's just it—it it just leads to a deeper spiral of mom guilt or shame. Or just feeling like I'm not enough. Um, And I know that I'm not alone in this because I've made a career out of working with other moms and parents who are experiencing these same things. And when I heard you share the title, a little less of a hot mess, right? Like there's still going to be mess, (laughs) like messiness in my parenting, in my days, in my home, in my relationships, in my reactions. Even in how I respond to my own big emotions, um, it's still going to be messy, right? But I can find ways to develop tools and a better relationship with my emotions and in my life. I can do work to strive for being a little less of a hot mess. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. So can you share with us a little bit like what inspired, what inspired the the name of the book and, and tell, tell us more about this sort of guide towards finding, you know, imperfection and connecting with imperfection.
1: Yes, absolutely. So the title of the book, it's so funny um, you bring that up because I had a hard time figuring out the title and I sat with the publishing team and we were going back and forth and they had read, you know, the early pages and. We just couldn't quite nail it, right? And all of a sudden, um, I the, the one of the publishers on my team said, "It's like it's like a hot mess, but like maybe a little less." And I'm like, "Well, what about a little less of a hot mess?" And everybody was like, "That's it." And I think it's really the therapist in me, and you can relate to this, right? It's like there's so much in our culture that tells moms, and I think we're shifting this narrative, but there's so much in our culture that tells moms that they need to kind of do it all, be it all and look great doing it, right? This, this, you talk about perfectionism so beautifully um, and so real, right? Because it is a huge part of so many women's struggle and especially moms. And it doesn't look like the perfect house all the time or the perfect, you know, dress kids. It looks like so many different things. So um, I think as a therapist, I really wanted to get and as a mom who gets it, I really wanted to get the message across that like, it's not about being perfect or like, I'm an expert. I'm a mommy expert, right? It's about how can we all like be a little less of a hot mess. And for me, and the whole point of the book is that starts internally, right? Like that starts with the work that we're doing on ourselves um, and how willing we are to say yes to ourselves and the invitation to, to grow mm-hmm. imperfectly. And so All of the invitations that I write about in the book, um, and I say invitations because each chapter is sort of a different invitation into personal growth. It's all about doing it imperfectly in the sense of giving yourself the grace to know that, like, just because you learn this new skill or tool or concept, it doesn't mean you're going to like nail it right away. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have like missteps and we're not going to struggle. It means that we, you know, we have the, sense and the willingness to come back to to our own truth and keep working at it right keep trying not to reach perfection but to just like reach i don't you know to i always say kind of live more in line with our values so as you know and you talk about so much in your work perfectionism keeps us right from so many good things in our life and so my issue, I know I'm going off on a little tangent here, but my issue with a lot of like this self-development books in the space of like women's health and things like that, a lot of them were about like how to be the best version of yourself or how it, for me, like it was like trying to sell us one more fad, one more thing, one more lie. And I just didn't want to do that. So this book is about kind of bringing it down to a more realistic, practical level You know, teaching women the things that have both like worked for me, the things that I figured out at a struggle, and the things that have worked for a lot of my clients that I work with in my clinical practice.
0: Mm. Okay, you are speaking my love (laughs) language in so many ways because you're you're talking. It feels like directly to my little inner perfectionist, whom I've done a lot of work to relate to in new ways, um, and a lot. A big part of that work for me has been looking to see when I take, when that perfection, little perfectionist in me takes off the mask, like who is it and what's there? And it um, it's a part of me that, you know, is scared of vulnerability, of um, losing things that are really important to me, of being judged, of um, that it's, it's also connected to like my little inner people pleaser. Um, and there's so much history and context around that, right, as there is going to be for all of us. Here's something that's really interesting when you're talking here about, you know, life is messy and you're, like it ne- things are never going to be perfect. When I first started off as a therapist, it, I really struggled with the fact that the work that we do is not linear you know mm-hmm. like it's so messy because you're working with human beings and people's lives are going to be messy and i i think a big part of it was again my inner perfectionist and inner people pleaser like i wanted to help people solve their problems and if it if it came back and you know they there were other struggles or you know things didn't work out quote unquote perfectly i you know blamed myself and mm-hmm. It was really difficult in the beginning, and it was something I had to work through in my own early stages as a clinician. But what that experience has really allowed me to do is have empathy for my clients and for the other therapists that I also um, support now and and work with in understanding that, all right, what we're going to do here, like the goal here isn't about perfection. The goal here, though, is to be able to notice when there are certain things that are out of alignment with your values, mm-hmm. with the way that you want to be showing up for yourself, for your children, for your family, for the things that are important to you, and to what to no, be able to notice when that happens so you can come back and to have mm-hmm. the skills and the tools and the awareness to feel empowered to know how to get back in alignment, right? Um and that's that's life you know yeah, that that those, those those moments are going to keep happening um and so i'd love to hear more from you about how do we get started here
1: in yeah.
0: um and kind of hear more about these invitations
1: Oh my gosh, everything you just said, by the way, I feel like I was kind of listening to the flow of my book because isn't that just life, right? Like there's this process that you talk about of being a new therapist and wanting it to, you know, go a certain way or really wanting to help and then feeling, you know, frustrated that, you know, humans, it doesn't always work linear, right? And, um, and then realizing, you know, in the work that you're doing now that you get to help people kind of come back to their values and course correct in a way, right? Not towards perfection, but towards their values. That is really what I write about in the book as when it comes to motherhood, right? There's so many parallels in everything in life. So when it comes to motherhood um, and in this book, particularly, I broke it into three sections. It's um, rewrite, restore, reclaim. And those are that's the framework of my book. So the rewrite aspect is the first part that we're talking about, which is, you know, when you said that kind of inner perfectionist, that 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 little inner perfectionists. Well, the first part of the book is about going back and taking a look at our stories, that the things that um, brought us to where we are today and challenging those, those beliefs that came out of those experiences or stories. So that's the rewrite portion. Not that we can rewrite history, but that we can decide to rewrite the beliefs that we're going to choose to hold on to now, right? Based on our right now values. So that's Really where we start, I think, is with the willingness to, to take a look back a little bit. Um, you know, people get scared to do that. I get it. Um, so definitely in the work I do with people clinically and then in the work I do in the book, it's really about taking this gentle approach to looking back and mm-hmm. deciding which and then I walk through people, walk people through the tools we know as therapists around how to do the work of transforming those beliefs so that they line up better with the values that we hold now in motherhood, in our careers, in our relationships. And that so the the second part of the book um, and all the invitations in the second part is that restore aspect. And so restoring to me is all about deciding what are your right now values? Who, who am I? Who the heck am I now that I'm like in charge of these humans, right? And like, I'm also a human trying to like live a life and have some fun and have a career, whatever it might be. Who am I now? So figuring out what your right now values are. And then, um, and then, you know, walking through that process of some of the things that you have to do, which are difficult, by the way, to live in line with those values, like set boundaries. Mm -hmm right? Like that's (laughs) the inner people pleaser in me has a really hard time with that one. I might come up with the boundary, but holding them can be really hard. So giving people these kind of practical tools throughout the book um, around how to to put those things into action not to to think about them but how to put them into action and then the final step that that we move through in the book is reclaiming like what do you where do you want to go from here how can you continue to move forward with these values and and then really giving yourself this grace right of like knowing that it's messy it's not going to be perfect it's okay to to have uh, you know to kind of keep coming back to this learning Mm -hmm. Um, and that even me, I think throughout the book, I really wanted to share a lot of my own story, not because it's extraordinary, but because it's so calm, like uh, all the things that I've been through, whether it's loss, you know, or, or, you know, adverse experiences, like so many people have been through. And, um, even though I'm a therapist that in theory has all the tools, like I still struggle right? And I don't think that's much of a surprise, but I think sometimes we think if we just have the tools, we'll get it right. But it's like, no, that's not how it works. It's a journey.
0: Okay. So as you're talking, I just found myself kind of reflecting a little bit on my own story and how some of the sort of messages that became really ingrained and kind of rigid in my mind impacted different Different seasons of my life, um, but in particular motherhood, it, it, it takes me all actually all the way back to when I was first born. Um, my my dad was married before, and they weren't able to have children, um, and he wasn't sure if he'd ever have children. And after he got divorced, he married my mom and. Uh, they got pregnant actually before the wedding, which I didn't figure out until years <laughs> later. My You're like,
1: let's do the math here. <laughs> no, it was my
0: husband. We were, oh, we were dating. It. We were dating and he was looking at like uh their wedding book, like their wedding book, and he like did the math of like the year they got married and like the month that I was born, and he was like, So your mom got was pregnant before you got married? <laughs> I was like, No. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this family secret that I <laughs> had no idea about. Anyway, I that's another that. story. I love that. That's so funny. Another story for another day. But, um, uh, but when I was born, my, um, both my parents were just so thrilled. Um, my dad actually had a sign made, um, a huge sign that was like on our house. I obviously don't remember it, but this is a story that is told. <laughs> Um, that said, welcome home, future first woman president, uh, Cassidy. Um, oh, Cassidy.
1: And, and that's <laughs> amazing! I mean? Slash, oh my gosh, keep going. Yes, I have to hear this. <laughs> so, like, this is
0: and that is just like who oh, my father has is like my biggest cheerleader, um, and always believed that I could do. Literally anything, like hold the highest office in our country. Like yes,
1: from like from the day you were born. Yes, yeah.
0: um, and always, always believed in me in those ways. Um, but, uh, and I, and I, as a when I started school, I got really good grades in the very you know early stages. And gosh, I mean, he told everyone, like everybody knew, like about my straight A's and about just how bright I was and just how amazing of a little human he thought I was.
1: hmm mm-hmm. So
0: supportive in those ways. Um and it also though, once school started to get a little bit harder, which you know eventually school does, yeah. um, I I really felt and not that this was ever said to me explicitly, but felt that my lovability was tied up with my achievements and mm. how also, yeah, how good I could be in terms of school yes. and um, and my performance. And it, uh, gosh, it really impacted my sense of self when I went into college and how hard I was on myself with schoolwork and performance, just my performance anxiety in general. I had my first panic attack <laughs> in college. Yeah. Associated yeah. with um with just school performance and achieve achievement. Um, I quit sports. I quit, I loved ice skating, but I I quit it um for several reasons. But one of those big reasons was like I was not the best on the team. Like I was always on the verge of being an alternate because I just wasn't the best. And mm. that is totally okay because I had no plans to be an Olympian, (laughs) but I quit before I could become an alternate um, out of fear of what that would mean Uh, because my, Mm. you know, my parents were really proud of my achievements as an ice skater too. So how did this show up in motherhood for me? This little inner perfectionist, also people pleaser, followed me into motherhood because I knew I wanted to be a mom very early on. And I was a therapist at the time or training to be a therapist, and I really thought I was prepared, right? And then when my first was born and I had feelings of not being attached right away, which I've talked about in prior Mm -hmm. episodes, um, I had – Uh, I've talked about that in my bonding with baby episode. Um, My partner experienced postpartum depression, but I had no idea that's what was going on, which I've talked about in prior episodes. Uh, I experienced postpartum anxiety. And what I did, (laughs) I've talked about this in another episode in my – one of my first episodes where I talk about Um, Brene Brown's work around um, shame and how this kind of translated into um, my, my my motherhood experience. What I did to protect from that really vulnerable experience of feeling like having thoughts of maybe I'm not cut out to be a mom. Maybe this was a mistake. I don't feel attached to my baby. My marriage feels like it's falling apart. I am really struggling and having thoughts. I was having intrusive, scary thoughts that really were disturbing to me. I put on the mask of perfection. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone around me to know that I was having these experiences. I think that I also felt this pressure of, I'd always known I wanted to be a mom, my friends, my family. Just really expected me to be a great mom, mm. <laughs> and as I think I think also as a therapist, um, not just in early parenting, but gosh, toddlerhood, even now, um, it can pop up this feeling of because of the work that I do that I should ha- know how to handle hard moments perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if my gosh, I remember when my toddler. Um, now I have three children, and my youngest is entering toddlerhood. When they're having hard moments in public, especially, that's very triggering for me around other people because so I feel like people are looking at me like I should know, I should handle this perfectly. You oh know? Oh my gosh, me too, me and too. And that pressure is so debilitating and heavy. And what it lead what it led to in early motherhood was putting on the mask of perfection. So. I wasn't t- showing up with my vulnerability, even with the people who had earned the right to be a witness to that, people that I could be opening up to and getting support. I was going to new mom groups and just putting on that perfectionist mm-hmm. mask of you know, having the, the baby that was dressed perfectly and I was not opening up about all the things that was happening behind the scenes and it kept me from getting support for far too long. I think that unfortunately, sometimes as um, providers, we can do that to ourselves. You know, we're not perfect for sure in taking steps to get support, Uh, and it showed up in other ways. When I experienced pregnancy loss, I was really hard on myself in terms of what I like. What did I do wrong? how did um, how did I cause this? Um, if I'm being honest with myself or some of the thoughts that I was having, um, even when I experienced another loss, um, I had a friend who passed away, a mom friend who passed away. And even how I think I navigated her death sometimes and how I had a really hard time letting myself fall apart. And all of these things just really complicated <laughs> my process of reaching out for support. And since then, you know, um, I've done so much work and I am continuing to do work because it is not a destination. It is a lifelong process of acknowledgement of where I'm getting stuck and unlearning and relearning, right? And going back to kind of figure out, gosh, why is this, why is this popping up? Um, for instance, I remember a recent um, – I'm, I'm a professor and I had a, a, an experience with a student that really threw me off where a, a student opened up to me and because of certain um, legal things within the institution, I had to disclose some of the things that were shared. And it really it – really, I really struggled with that for a very long time. And I ended up doing some EMDR. Mm-hmm. Which is a trauma approach, um, evidence based, that I'm also trained in because I saw how powerful it was when I had it, when yeah. I did it myself did, during, during different traumas myself. And it took me back to these really early childhood experiences where I felt like I was letting people down, that mm-hmm. I did something wrong. And it's wild how our body holds on to these memories, right? And these experiences. And so I know, I know the fear of going back and looking at some of these past experiences, these past relationships um, and past dynamics within our own family systems or the systems around us. I know how scary that can be. But oh, when we go back there, especially with support, Mm-hmm. um, someone to be right there alongside with us, whether it's a supportive book or a therapist or somebody, a natural support in our life, a friend, a family member who's ready and to kind of go back there with us and maybe look at photos or talk about some of these things that we've experienced or gone through. It can be so, so powerful in mm-hmm. supporting the rewiring the re- and rewriting of the, The story and what we're going to take from that story and these experiences, and the beliefs that we are going to now take with us moving forward. Um, So that's a little bit of how I can resonate because I know that in that work for myself, I was able to to kind of acknowledge that this perfectionist was really protecting this really vulnerable part of myself. Um, that's the part part of myself that was scared and just really wanted to please those around me, um, Mm -hmm. and do things right and be safe, um, in doing things right. And once I acknowledged that I was able to turn to this part of myself and have so much more compassion, um, and embrace this part of myself, just like I would, you know, gosh, my own child or um, mm-hmm. someone that I cared about um, because I do care about myself. I came to realize in ways that yeah. I was able to to nourish and nurture and have compassion for. Um, and then I was able to acknowledge that this part of me was just trying to keep me safe, but this part of me sometimes wasn't acknowledging that All the steps it was trying to take to keep me safe, perfectionism, was not so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was able to then do the work of acknowledging, okay, what kind of parent do I want to be? Um, I don't – gosh, I don't want to be perfect because I have a child, my daughter, who is – sometimes struggles with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And if she sees me (laughs) striving for perfection and not embracing mess and imperfection, that's not, that's gonna be really hard for her too, right? And so, me being an imperfect parent gives my children an opportunity to see not only how how I can model repairing, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and coming back and saying, hey, I messed up there, um, but also to showcase to them that perfection isn't expected of them either. And so doing that work of going back, connecting with the here and now and the values that I want to align with and are my priorities and being able to notice when I got to come back to those has been my lifelong work and not just for myself, but with my clients. And I, I love that you are supporting folks in doing this in your book. And I love these three R's. Can you remind me again? What are they? They're
1: Rewire, re rewrite, rewrite, re- rewrite, restore, reclaim. Oh, reclaim. Yeah. Look,
0: I I made a new, I made a different. Are there? I like, <laughs> like rewire. rewire, <laughs> rewire no rewrite. Like
1: it, it means it's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah,
0: but I like yours better.
1: <laughs> I I don't I I just like that whole story you just told. I just like I was just like I forgot we're recording a podcast. I was just like, tell mm. me more. Like one because what I have to say is we need more people more women more women in power more more women who um like us are you know should in theory like should right drop the shoulds um have the tools to say, it's still a struggle and I'm going to be real here. And that's really what my book is all about. And I have to say, Cassidy, so much of our story, like I, I can't, I'm like, wait, is she, me talking or her? Like, I, um, I mean, I think in, you know, down to the point that like my first story I told in the book is about me as a figure skater, as a child. And oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, um, I was a figure skater and sit, I quit for similar reasons. Um, I, so um, this idea that we do have to go back and understand the parts of ourselves that were developed out of things that happened to us in the past and that we can, um, as my therapist once told me so beautifully, we can weave in and out of the hard things. We don't have mm-hmm. to stay in the hard all the time. I think people are so afraid of doing this work, whether it's therapy or personal growth, because they, because it is, it can be heavy. But what I want and hope people will learn is that, it also is life-giving and that we can do this weaving in and out. And so just thank you for sharing your story with me. And also um, so much of that is relatable um, for me. And I know for so many other women um, that are listening. And if
0: I I could kind of share a little bit of like the here and now pieces of the story, (laughs) you know, becoming a parent, um, doing my own work brought a lot of these things to light and I was able to have some really um, because my father is someone who is safe to have these conversations with, right? Um, and, I, and that's not the case for everyone, and so sometimes these conversations aren't we don't have with the people who have maybe contributed to some of these internalized voices. Um, but for me, my dad is definitely someone I could have that real conversation with, and I I shared with him. Um, the, some of the impact and what it was, what he was able to do was then to do his own sharing, his of his own story, of his own experiences, of what kind of brought him to, um, to putting the you know, unbeknownst to him, that sort of pressure, and I think that sometimes in the work, whether we are able to do this work with. These people in our life, because they're here now, or maybe they're not, no longer with us, or they're mm-hmm. not a safe person to do this with. Doing the work to explore, you know, even their stories. You know, like where, what do I, what do I know about their experiences that may have contributed to why they showed up as as they did, as yes. parents or as grandparents or as um, just people in our life? Their contacts can sometimes help us. You know, understand some of these generational patterns, and can give us, um, you know, context to understand why what we're breaking in terms of generational patterns, and why we're breaking these patterns. Yes, um, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to do that, and I want to acknowledge that too. Oh, but what's sure. what's so cool now is to see my father um, with my children. My daughter brought home um, a math test and you know, at her school, they don't give like letter grades. Um, Mm -hmm. They get, just get a chance to see how many they got wrong. And then they're able to make corrections and learn from that. And seeing- What a concept, right? What a concept, (laughs) right? Um, But you know, like she, if you were to do the math, like the letter grade was going to, would have been something that probably would have sent me into like a spiral of like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to not get into a good college and not get a good job and I'm not going to make any money. And I'm going to, I don't know, like, Die alone, right. like that's kind of yes. where the like <laughs> the whole affair,
1: downward, the rabbit the whole hole, yeah.
0: rabbit hole, downward spiral, uh, which is wild when you think about it. But when you give yourself a chance to think about it, a lot of times we have these like underlying fears that are driving all of this. Um, but to see my dad and how he just responded to her um, sharing, you know, what she was learning and what where she was making mistakes, and but also um, just. It was just so powerful to see how he was responding to these things, um, and you know, my my youngest is behind on some milestones, and to see how he was, to see how he is responding to that in a way that is relieving me of stress and pressure. Oh, it's just it's it's been a beautiful full circle experience for me. And that's my story, right? And, and each of us have our own stories of what this healing can look like um, and who is part of that healing story, right? right. And um, working with a therapist can, or having a supportive resource to kind of guide you in that process mm-hmm. is so empowering. Okay. So something yes. that you said earlier that I want to kind of come back to, this whole idea of saying yes to ourselves mm-hmm. as mothers, as parents. Um, and boundaries. Okay. One of the ways that I love to look at boundaries is that we. Ha- I always want to ask myself, okay, if I'm saying yes to this, whatever this is, what am I actually saying no to? Because mm-hmm. inevitably I'm going to be saying no to something, right? So for instance, if I say yes to – you know, loosening my boundaries around how late I work. Um, Even if it's, you know, saying yes to a client to schedule a later appointment, what am I actually saying no to? If I say yes to um, getting on social media during my lunch break, right? Like Mm -hmm. what am I saying no to for myself there? If I say yes to this extra activity or to whatever it is. What am I saying no to? If I say no to this, what am I actually saying yes to? So, that's kind of how how I I've yeah. kind of looked at this, but I'd love to hear more about your sort of thoughts on saying yes to ourselves as as mothers as yes. parents.
1: Well, I love how you how you put that into like practical way that people can think about it, right? In that framework, for me, um, similar, I think saying yes to ourselves as particularly as moms is just this idea of like flipping the narrative a bit because, not a bit, a whole lot. Because from the moment we take these babies home from the hospital or wherever we have them or however we get them, right, um, we get the message, and sometimes out of necessity that that we have to say yes to, to them and their needs first. And sometimes we absolutely do, especially in this early baby phase, right? Um, but in that, we sometimes lose ourselves, right? This is, I'm not saying things that people don't already know. We lose ourselves. We lose our, our ability to really see ourselves and to even know what we want and need. And so um, saying yes to ourselves can look like a lot of things, but I think it looks like mostly turning inward before we turn outward and saying, What is it that I want and need? And when I'm saying yes to myself, whether that's because I need a shower, yes, could be I need to say no to that thing, like you're saying, yes, could be um, I need to, you know, get out for a walk. If I'm saying yes to myself, I'm really um, going to be a better person for myself, for my kids, for my partner, in my relationships, in my work. Like, I just think this power of saying yes to ourselves expands so far beyond just ourselves. And by the way, you know, what we're taught as women is, and what we hear all the time is, oh, she's so selfless, selfless, right? Um, She's so giving. Those things are like really um, held in high esteem, um, especially for moms. And, And what I'm saying here, and what I think so many of us are saying is, being selfless, like if you break that down, that means being without a self, right? Like that is not what we want. We're abandoning ourselves in that saying yes to ourselves is recognizing that we are a self that we do have worth just inherently. Um, and so, yes, I think I just said a lot of different things, but I think it's really about, um, flipping the script on the fact that that saying yes to yourself is selfish and instead it's necessary. It's essential. And it's a journey for sure. It's a journey. I don't always get it right. That's absolutely true.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love this. And when I am working with clients and we're kind of doing this work of connecting in with their own needs, right, so that Mm -hmm. before they can show up for their children, their work, anything else, um, they got to show up for themselves, right? Uh, What what I'll often do is we'll talk about this in really like practical terms um, of like different areas of life to check in on for yourself, right? So there's like the basics, Mm -hmm. um, the basics of nourishment, like When's the last time I ate something? Like, when's the last time I gave my body something nourishing that will help me actually sustain my energy? Because I'm feeling like super fatigued when it comes to just like playing with my child. Like, when's the last time I actually ate something nourishing and that would help me sustain energy? Right. Um, when's the last Did time I drink water today? Like, yeah. When's the last time I drink water? Like, I'm thinking, I don't, Caitlin, I don't know if I drank any water this morning. Like, I'm I even know drink some water. Yeah. But- <laughs> you know, like, and and then also, you know. Checking in with our body, like when's the last time? Like, is, is are there parts of my body that are hurting? Like, is there something that I can do that's going to support that part of my body that is hurting? Um, yes, movement. Um, when's the last time I got outside? <laughs> um, oh my gosh! And yeah. when's the last time I took a shower? Right. All of these things, um, and then there's like relationships. So you know. Gosh, I feel this pressure to Facetime with this family member um, and show them the, the baby. But every time I do that, I feel so drained afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I need to say yes to myself by setting a boundary here, um, mm-hmm. and that's one way that I can, you know, care for myself. Um, when's the last time I got a margin? Right, like. Gosh, I mean, I I there are so many times where like I go to the bathroom and like my dog's right there and my (laughs) baby is right there. And it's like, if I can't even get that margin, like Mm -hmm. I'm probably not getting a lot of margins in my day. And we need, as human beings, we need margins. I mean, how often do you go and you're standing in line to get coffee and you look around and what what is everyone doing? They're on their phone. Uh. We are constantly taking in more information. And our brain literally needs margins just to process what it's what it's just experienced right yes. so like we need space and margins so relation like the basics the relational components um and then you know just taking a look at like your like if i'm working with the client i have a sense of their particular life right and so mm-hmm. whether it's um their job or other parts of their identity, um, other things that kind of take up space in their life and throughout their day in these different areas, taking a look at how are you saying yes to yourself and meeting your needs in these different areas of your life so that you can be showing up for these other things that are also important to you, right? Um, And in that work, we're having a lot of conversations about how we can, can connect the Saying yes to yourself and actually prioritizing this to your values, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's say I value presence, like when it comes to parenting, presence, like actually being present with my child, where I am hearing what they're saying, I am engaged in play with them, I am, no, I am aware of the different things that are important to them, different relationships that they have, and friendships, and what's happening in their school and in their classroom and in their life, that I am present, right? Mm-hmm. If I value presence, it's going to be really hard to be in alignment with that value if I am running on fumes, if I'm getting no margins, which is leading me to be really snappy and irritable, if I am and, – and maybe what's contributing to that is – um, my loose boundaries with certain family members or my loose boundaries with my job or my, yeah. you know, I haven't gotten any restorative rest or I haven't gotten a break. So this is how all those pieces can kind of connect. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I think yeah, it's really just important connected to them of-
1: all so well because they are all connected. And I love that you made the point and this is I think a big part of things is that it all has to come back to the why, what are my values? Like, you know, what do I care about and is what I'm doing right now, not every second, but in general is what I'm doing, lining up with my values. And I think that's a really important thing. And that's, that's really our compass for decision-making or it should be. And, and I, and I, I really hope that through the book and just through the, this work of you and I talking and just having these real conversations that that more people actually think about this. Like, what mm. do I, I mean, it seems so simple, right? But like, I don't know before a couple of years ago when the last time it was that I thought about that for myself mm. um, before I started doing my own work. And and that's a story I tell in the book too. But before I started doing my own work, I was just sort of on autopilot with all this stuff. Yeah. Get the degree, get the, get married, have the mm. kids, be the therapist, learn the, learn the tools. And then it was like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> who am I? What do I want now? Mm.
0: Yeah, 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 and you know, um, I know this is kind of a hard thing for us to sometimes think about and facing our own mortality. But you know, um, when we face life's fragility, um, which sometimes becoming a parent force and forces us to, because mm-hmm. these little little humans are so important, and we can sometimes you know be faced with just our own mortality. Is thinking about at the end of my life when I look back. What am I going to want to see that I stood for and that I prioritize? Um, even something as simple as looking at your calendar, your bank account, like what am I spending my money on and my time on? And does this reflect what is what I want what 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 really is the most deeply meaningful and important things to me right now? Um.
1: Gosh, and- I'm wishing I put that exercise in the book because that's a great one. And you and I have <laughs> talked about that before. But looking at your calendar and your bank account because those are like the proof is in the pudding. Like what am I actually mm-hmm. doing, right, with my yeah. time and my space?
0: Yeah. And I've got to give credit where credit's due. My um, A friend of mine who's been on my podcast before, you can go back and find other episodes with her, uh, Rachel Rabinor. Um mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we talked about, um, she, she did the bonding with baby episode, um, with me as well. And, um, that I got that from her. It was something she said to me once. And I was like, you're right. Let me go take a look. And even though it's hard to look at my calendar and look at the <laughs> bank account, especially like, mm-hmm. Hmm, what are mm-hmm. all those Amazon purchases? Right. Target, like target and, what? you know, yeah. it's like, is, but, but, but if I, can I connect these things to what I want to be prioritizing in terms of where, where these things are going, whether it's in my business or in my personal life. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, Okay. So where where can people find you, Caitlin? And um, I know this book isn't out yet, but it's coming out in March. So where can people connect with you now so they can stay connected for when this beautiful book comes out?
1: Thank you. Yes. Um, okay. So my website is wellnotesforher.com. Wellnotesforher.com. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at sule. Um, all the stuff, all the info about the book and how to pre-order is on my website. Um, I also want to say I have a, a couple really cool free resources if people are wanting to kind of get a head start on this work um, around personal growth and evolution and even around overcoming anxiety limiting beliefs because that's the work we do right we've got to get unstuck from the stuff that's keeping us stuck before we can do this so um i have that on my website as well um wellnotesforher.com and then just click on resources and it's all right there
0: Great. And we will include links to all of this in the show notes for our listeners and as well as some of the podcast episodes that were mentioned in today's episode. Um, One that I don't think I mentioned yet, but we've been talking here about values and a lot of times people will say, okay, I know I have values, but what does this like values work? Like how do I actually – like identify what my values are and then transform them into something that's going to help me make decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In my day to day. um, I have a episode all about defining your values and I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have this chat with me. So grateful to be connected to you. And thank you for you holding space for me today as I shared parts of my own story.
1: It was beautiful. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.